The Knicks season is mercifully over. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here with the Locked On Knicks podcast. And Gavin, the Knicks did it in style, 105-94 to over the Toronto Raptors, along with two of the young core coming up with multiple career highs in one game. Yeah, Obi Toppin seemingly averaging 70 points per game over the weekend. Emmanuel quickly finishing the season with a 30-point triple-double. We will talk about that and some final thoughts on this Knicks season coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play by play broadcaster's favorite play by play broadcaster. And we just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. The regular season. Might be over, but don't worry. We're still going to be coming at you guys five days a week, roughly, uh, whether it's in your headphones or on YouTube, if you're checking us out there. We really appreciate you guys checking in with us every day, making us part of your daily routine. So, Gavin, uh, <laughs> this is a game, man. This is a way to end a season. I know a lot of people are probably going to be, I mean, this is the first time we're talking about either of the final two seasons of the game, or final two games of the season, I should say. Uh Two games that maybe to some would be disappointing in the sense that if the Knicks had lost these games, they could have ended up with, you know, potentially as high as the ninth lottery odds. As it stands, it seems like they're pretty likely to end up with like the 12th, perhaps the 11th if the Spurs shocked the world and managed to secure a playoff spot um, via the play-in tournament and winning two games in that. We'll see how that all goes, obviously, coming up this week, but... I think it's pretty hard to get mad at these last two games. Obi Toppin, I think, has set his career high like four or five times in the last yeah, four or four times in the last five games. Yeah, just insane. Uh, you know, and in this one, I mean, nothing short of spectacular. After putting up uh, 36 in his last game, gets 42 in this one. So a, a big weekend for Obi Toppin, scoring almost 80 points between two games. Uh, Emmanuel quickly as well. Especially in this game, 34 points, 12 assists, 10 boards. I mean, just a just a phenomenal weekend for the young players. And, you know, we'll get into the implications of that and why it's sort of disappointing in some ways to see them only being given this opportunity to shine this late in the season. But like I, I think we probably have to start with Obi, right, Gavin, as far as just how amazing he was in this game. Yeah, I mean that's Let's just let's just look at this objectively. Like the objective factor, Obi two weeks ago never scored twenty points in an NBA basketball game. He scored over thirty back to back. He scored forty two tonight, Alex. Forty two points for Obi Toppin. Just just crazy, crazy stuff. And what was nuts to me is like I look back on my notes from the Wizards game, and 
I barely took any because it was it was what he does every time he gets to do a basketball game outside of the three point shooting. Right, the three point shooting was was just absurd. He was twelve for twenty three from three all weekend. But outside of that, it was him sprinting the floor. It was him getting to the rim. It was him getting seals and like IQ or Burks just throwing passes over the top. Um, but the really the two big new things with Obi are obviously the shot. It looks super smooth, super confident um, on the year. Again, it's only only nine games, but he shot. 44% from three as a starter. His overall stats as a starter on the year in 34 minutes per game, 18 points, seven rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block, 57% from the field, 79% from the free throw line. Seems like he can be a pretty efficient offensive player as a starter. Um, and then the other big thing that I love from Obi over these two games um, that we've been remarking on pretty much for the last month, pretty much for the last two months, is, is his newfound ability to get all the way to the rim. And I mean, this is, I think this is the biggest shift for both him and Emmanuel quickly, both those guys to attack from a near standstill and get to the basket. And what I love about Obi is he used to, I, I mean, we always talk about this, but he used to have to rely on that fake dribble handoff to get any kind of momentum going towards the basket on his own, but he's figured out ways to like propel himself and get himself a step. And he's such a good athlete and such a good finisher that once he gets himself a step, he becomes one of the more efficient scorers in, in basketball, at least for the type of role that he plays. I mean, I mean, you can even look at the first play um, of the Raptors game. He had a pass fake that, again, just sort of like froze his defender for a second, lefty drive, spin back middle, and one banker. Um, and then in transition, um, we're seeing the skill level, the improved skill level. Like he had this play around Armani Brooks where he did – Kind of like this, like he like put the ball over his head, a little hop step, and then just a reverse flush. And he's finding all these new ways because of the improved skill level to leverage his athletic ability. And the really the frustrating thing with OB Alex is, I mean, I think this is maybe what you're going to get into, maybe the bigger picture conversation. We can also save it for later. But there was this quote from, um, well, well, Mike Breen mentioned the quote from Obi Toppin um, after the Wizards game, where he said earlier in the season, all he could think about was just don't mess up, just don't mess up. Because there was just this quick hook on him this entire season. And it's, it's painful to hear that because to me, that's ultimately the story of this year for Obi. It was that this guy had to play scared. And it's so obvious that when he doesn't play scared, he is, he is an absurdly good offensive basketball player. You can throw all the qualifiers out there uh, regarding the competition he's faced the last couple of games. I don't give a crap. This guy is a bona fide talent on the offensive side of the ball. We're seeing it now in a really big way. You don't just fluke into 40 points in an NBA basketball game. Uh, maybe maybe you do if you're Jordan McRae, but very rarely do you fluke through multiple back-to-back 30-point games. Uh, this is this is a breakout, and I'll, I'm personally going to be pretty disgusted if Obi Toppin isn't playing 30 minutes per game next season. Yeah, I couldn't help like in in the this Raptors game in particular. I couldn't help but think, you know, there was one of his first field goal attempts was a airballed three, and I couldn't help but think back to earlier this year where like. You know, even, I don't know, 15, 20 games ago, I can remember a game where Obi was playing fantastic and then got the ball in the corner. And it was like, I don't know, early, mid fourth quarter, something like that. He got the ball in the corner, tried to put up a three and, you know, it was just off and it hit the side of the backboard. But like there was a good contest on it and stuff. So like understandable, he was kind of rushed and hit the side of the backboard. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the Knicks don't get any points out of possession they call timeout shortly thereafter, and you know me, you, and everybody were like, "Well, Obi's going to be gone from this game," you know, and that's just kind of how he had to play all year. And again, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But like, all you know, being able to work through those mistakes, 
to anyone that says, you know, that, that you can't, you know, more minutes don't mean more success that, you know, uh, you know, practice matters and blah, blah, blah. And Tibbs sees these guys every day. He knows what they're capable of and this, that, the other. I mean, I just don't buy it watching Obi these last couple of games, because quite frankly, there's some things he's busting out in these games that, like you said, we've kind of almost like some stuff we see every day, the running out like a wide receiver being like maybe one of the most dangerous transition players in basketball right now as far as his ability to just like anticipate when to break to go out uh, you know on the break and and catch those long passes from his teammates and finish these like awesome high speed dunks and everything else you know that stuff comes every day but we are seeing some stuff like that that finish that you mentioned where you know he sort of did almost like almost like his double clutch thing, but like in slow motion and with the ball way higher. And as he was still kind of moving, <laughs> like bringing the ball up real, real high, then bringing it real low to get under his defender and then going up and just casually throwing down a reverse jam just because he felt like it or hitting a floater in this game, you know, which is not something that we typically see out of OB, but he's trying new things because he's confident and he's playing that way. You know, I just think, I, I think that he's, he's proof positive that development needs to happen on the court. You know, it can't happen just on a practice court or it can't just happen during offseason workouts or whatever else. Like we saw a guy that had shown flashes that had gotten some opportunities but hadn't been given, you know, the big opportunities yet. He finally got those opportunities and we literally saw him improve leaps and bounds game after game after game for the last two weeks of the season. Granted, not against the, the creme de la creme of competition, but still against NBA players. And, you know, that's. Uh, ultimately we saw, you know, some of the veterans on the Knicks struggle against non NBA players when everybody was getting struck by COVID earlier this season. Yeah. So that still says a lot, you know, I don't really care if, if you want to say that the competition wasn't good enough or whatever. Like I, I think Obi Toppin really showed us something. I think he's given the Knicks a lot to think about going into this offseason about what direction they want to go as far as, you know, who should be the starting power forward on this team going forward. The dude got up nine threes in the first half of this game. He was, I mean, Breen said it, he was afraid to shoot last year. Just, just the growth is, is nuts. And I think it's so obvious with him and quickly, I mean, the growth mindset that those two have, the hours that they put in, like, I'd be shocked if they both weren't significantly better players a year from now. And I know Obi, obviously like his ceiling is somewhat capped just because of his age, but we haven't really gotten a great chance to see what this guy can be. And the the whole point of all of this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let us take a break and come back and talk about quickly. But the whole point of all this is like, you got to find out. Right. And, and that, that's what that, that's like, if we want to talk about a negative takeaway from this season, it's that we got to find out a little bit with some of these guys. We got a taste. We didn't really get to find out like what Obi would do consistently against the best players in the league. We saw flashes like quickly torching the heat to come back in the fourth quarter. You were like, Oh, okay. This isn't just against crummy teams. He, he can do this against the best team in the Eastern conference, the like definitive culture, the definitive tough defense in the Eastern conference. Could he do it more often? Could he do it with consistency? We didn't get to find out. That's the tragedy of this season, but one that can be remedied next year. And we'll talk about that in the third segment, but Alex first, uh, how can uh, OB and IQ continue to bulk up? I know IQ has gotten a little stronger, but we still, we still want more muscle on him. Definitely a lot of players on the Knicks that need to hit that off season workout plan, you know, put on some more muscle mass, Maybe not Jericho Sims. I think he's doing okay. And Mitch, Mitch needs to definitely, you know, not do the same thing he did last year. But, you know, plenty of these young Knicks need to put on some mass. And I think a good way to do that is that in between their workouts, they should check out some built bars because they are the best tasting protein bars on the planet. 
They come loaded with protein without all the fillers and junk that make protein bars taste just, quite frankly, icky. I don't like eating most other protein bars. It's like some of them, they're so chalky and gross. It's it's not a fun experience. It's like you feel like you have to down a glass of milk with it or something to, to get the, those ones down. But Built Bar, meanwhile, is putting out, I mean, in addition to their normal Built Bars, which have a, a nice chewy texture to them, almost like caramely, nougaty. Uh, they also have their puffs, built puffs, like a, a literal protein infused marshmallow. I never thought those words would come out of my mouth, but it comes in so many fantastic flavors like cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good. I think if you try puffs, there's a good chance they're going to become your new favorite because it's unlike anything you've ever experienced from a protein bar before. On top of that, you know, all built bars contain around 130 calories four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. That's not very high compared to a very high number, 17 grams of protein to help you with those off-season workouts. Maybe you're also, you know, like the Knicks, you're going to be doing some off-season workouts. I know I need to do a little off-season workout, you know, routine. So I'm definitely going to be doing that as well. Loading up on Built Bars in between my workouts. So if you want to get some Built Bars like me, I need to replenish the stash. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, and we are back to talk about Emmanuel quickly. And uh, Gavin, I, I you know, as awesome as Obi Toppin was in this game, setting a new career high with 42 points, he did not set two career highs, which Emmanuel quickly did, plus getting a triple-double. So... Maybe we buried the lead with Emmanuel Quickly here. Who's to say? Because they've both been so good lately. Uh, but Emmanuel Quickly, 34 points, a new career high, 12 of 26 shooting, 4 of 11 from deep. Uh, also 10 boards and a career high 12 assists from quote-unquote not a point guard Emmanuel Quickly compared to just three turnovers. For those of you keeping score at home, that is a 4 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. Not too shabby, Gavin. I think uh, I think there's maybe a case to be made that that uh, Emmanuel quickly could be a point guard at this point. But who's really to say? No way to know. There's no way. But we better bring in um, uh, some other, like I don't know, like Rodney Stuckey uh, to come in and be, be the starter. Uh, any any anyone uh, anyone Kemba Walker analogous? Uh, so just to make sure. And then when that doesn't work out, we can probably just play Alec Burks over the final 30, 40 games. Uh, but no, he was. Uh, I don't. I don't want to harp on that because he was to your point incredible and it, it's sort of like i i put out a tweet at one point during the game basically saying like with, even with all the insane stuff that we've seen from rj and ob over the second half of this year there's a very good case to be made the single biggest positive development for the knicks over the second half of the season is uh not just iq shot coming back but i would say even more so than that his ability to get all the way to the basket it's the same thing where it just blows the mind like i sound like a proud parent right now but blows the mind that ob topping could get up nine three-pointers in the first half of a basketball game much less hit 12 over two games it blows the mind that emmanuel quickly who last year was allergic to the rim was could, could just couldn't draw extra attention in the paint it was either a floater a foul or he had to throw it back out to someone else now he is he is the point guard that we wanted kemba walker to be getting two feet in the lane drawing extra defenders um Eye manipulation, the ability to rise up, look as if he's going to shoot, and at the last second just whip a bullet into either corner to an open shooter to get all the way to the rim and, and finish with a layup. 
Like he he feels like a force. In when, when he has the ball in transition now, I'm thinking, oh man, they better get out of his way. He's gonna bowl them over. And it's not it's not that he's this overwhelming physical force, but he he almost is in a way because he's so fast to the rim and he's figured out this great ability to like hesitate right around the elbow, freeze his defender, and blow right by him. And he can do that in transition, he can do that in the half court. Um, he's figured out how to draw contact around the basket, he's figured out how to finish through contact. This is a guy very similar to Obi Toppin who's emerging in front of our eyes and playing at a level that we just simply haven't seen. And it's, I mean, again, we made this point before, but I thought this weekend was sort of the culmination of it. It's like he had to work on all these skills in in just about the worst environment in the world for him because his teammates weren't that great. He didn't have Derrick Rose and his shot was off. So defenders were playing him completely differently than they would have a year ago, but that honed all these skills to such a high level in this like super toxic environment. And then all of a sudden he could shoot again and he he's blown the, blown the ceiling off. The, I, I'm trying to think of the Michael Jordan phrase. Like, like the ceiling is gone. There's no more ceiling. Like this guy feels like a star, like, like the play where Jericho Sims chased down an offensive rebound and quickly just sprinted in from half court caught a dribble handoff and hit a three off balance. Like I was getting Steph Curry flashes. I know we've, I know it's a ridiculous comp. These are talking about one of the 10 best players of all time, but there, there are moments where, where that's what I feel like when I watch this guy. And again, he's going to have to prove it over real games against real teams. And and that's another tragedy this season. The Knicks won't get a play in game uh, for him to flash some of this against a great competition with real stakes. But my God, this is, this is just a different dude than we saw last year and earlier this season. Yeah, you know, and and the shot coming back certainly helps. Like you can, you can see when he's really got the confidence going. I mean, down the down the stretch of this game, Tibbs. I mean, a, a lot of people were getting upset because Tibbs was like audibly like screaming for IQ to give the ball to Burks like down the stretch in like the final minute or so of this game, just so the Knicks would stop shooting. But he was having so much fun because he knew he could make like anything, and he knew that Obi could make anything, and they were just. I mean, I give them props. They definitely went out of their way. It seemed like, despite playing a winning basketball game, to like put on a show for the fans in this one, where quickly was pulling up from you know like eight feet behind the three point yeah. line a couple times to put up threes, and you know was confidently making those. And that obviously leads to the respect that allows him to get into the lane. But to your point, yeah, I mean his his game in the lane, it's nothing new. We've been talking about it for weeks, but being able to get in there, you know freeze this defender, get all the way to the hoop, but then also have the craft sort of similar to like how RJ Barrett does where you see him in this situation. You're like, Oh crap, that big is going to have enough room to like close in, maybe even block him. And then somehow he just manages to slither his body in there in just the right way to get the the ball up and in into the hoop and, you know, use the actual hoop itself as, you know, a, a, a blocking mechanism for him to give him more space. You know, he's, he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve and I love watching him play now. Uh, doing all that stuff on top of that, you know, just the way that he finds his teammates now 12 assists. I mean, that's not, that's not a number you just like luck into, you know, that's not something that just happens. Like he was, he was a floor general. That's what he's been these last number of games. And similar to what we said with Obi, a lot of it comes down to him not having to play scared anymore. Like he doesn't, he's not backing up like Kemba Walker you know, who was stinking it up for the first half of the season and yet, you know, twice got an opportunity to to start like 20 games for this team despite playing terrible both times. Um, you know, it's not like he's he wasn't really worrying about Alec Burks in this game because like R.J. Barrett was out, so Tibbs did the common sense thing and put Burks at his actual position at the wing 
and started quickly, which like it's really sad that that's what it took for us to see quickly in the starting lineup in the final game of the season was RJ Barrett hurting his knee last game. But we finally got to see that and he didn't have to think like, oh, crap, am I about to get replaced by that bench wing in the starting lineup or, you know, in the in the lineup as the point guard again uh, when I'm a better point guard, <laughs> you know, just because I made like a, a bad play or whatever, like or like had a turnover as a point guard, which point guards do from time to time, but quickly does not do that often. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's tough to separate like it's tough to separate the emotions right now of like how happy seeing this game made me and yet how annoyed it made me that like once Tibbs was finally for you know what let's save this for the final segment I got I got a a big point to bring up like that I want to kind of lead next segment off with because I I don't I'm going to go on a tangent here uh talking about how he he fumbled this opportunity and then screwed the Knicks doubly this year uh but Gavin there are some teams that do still get to play basketball and is there anywhere that people could go and bet on those if they want to in the first couple of days of this week? You know, Alex, uh, there is. It's our it's our favorite place in the whole wide world to bet on just about everything. It is, of course, betonline.net, your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball season. We talked baseball last time. We're going to talk basketball playoffs this time, uh, I love the line for uh, Cavs-Nets. The Nets are eight-point favorites in that game. I would go all in on the Cavs. This Nets team has proven time and time again. They're just they're just not that good. They have two incredible players. They have a couple of nice complimentary pieces. Ben Simmons might be back for the first round. He's not going to be back for the playing game. Cleveland, meanwhile, incredibly tough this entire season. If they don't win, they play you close. They play great defense. I don't think the lights are going to be too bright. For that Cleveland team, you have a Kevin Love to sort of steady the ship. I think Darius Garland is super ballsy. Um, I bet the Cavs – I think the Nets will win, but the Cavs keep that game real close. So you can head to Bet Online to bet that. And remember, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Alex, we are back. Uh, third and final segment. And I'll I'll toss it right back to you. Where 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 were you headed as we before we talked about bet online? Well, so like this is basically what I've what I was just thinking about. You know, it's like we talk about how frustrating it's been that guys like Obi and IQ didn't get these opportunities till late in the season. You know, there was different times where Grimes was not getting playing time. Deuce still never got playing time. You know, like all the way through the end of the season, like. We be- he had a great stretch in the middle of the year, like it took everyone getting hurt for Reddish to play. Yeah, yeah, it took everyone getting hurt for Reddish to play. I mean, there were so many flashes that we saw from the young guys this year that suggested, like, hey, maybe playing these guys might be a better idea than playing Alec Burks like thirty eight minutes a game. Which is nothing against Alec Burks. We've said a number of times, like he's a fine player. He's probably like a twenty minute per game player though, on like a decent team. You know, like twenty minutes per game off the bench to score and score that's it pretty much and you know if you put him in a role where he doesn't have to exert all of his effort at once he could be a pretty good defender too you know if he's not being asked to like initiate offense and stuff so like do that you know maybe reduce Fournier's minutes a little bit certainly reduce Julius Randle's minutes some nights when he is like actively tanking the team Uh, remove Kemba Walker way faster especially the second time that never made any sense to me like Tibbs was like Totally cool with removing him the first time, but then because he had a triple double on Christmas, he had to like 
he was then like contractually obligated to keep Kemba Walker in the starting lineup for another 20, 25 games, whatever, you know, until uh, pulling him again and then making the same decision to put Alec Burks in. And like, so not only did you, did you not give these kids time to play earlier in the season, but as a result, now later in the season, the kids do get to play. And again, you know, we cited that, you know, there's a few teams the Knicks have played recently that have had some injury issues or, or, you know, resting guys for the playoffs already kind of, you know, like trying to make sure everybody's healthy and everything's in line for the postseason because other teams get to do that this year. But like, no matter what, you know, again, we saw the Knicks face non NBA teams earlier this year when, you know, the, the COVID outbreak was going on and all these teams have replacement players and everything else. And the Knicks were lucky enough to kind of get hit in phases by that, or they never really got truly KO'd by that. And yet, the vets on the Knicks and, you know, the Knicks in general with the lineups they were rolling out, we're still getting like wrecked by these, like <laughs> not NBA teams, like by like essentially G league teams, you know, full of replacement players. And so, uh, you know, it just makes me annoyed from both perspectives because we came into this year thinking the Knicks are going to be so much better this year, you know, like they're going to, and, and I would be saying something concerning, or at least they'd be, similar to as good as they were last year, you know, keeping that same kind of pace looked like they made great off season moves. This at the other. And then the things that weren't working tips took so long to repair that then, you know, by the time that he finally repaired it towards the end of the season, just fully out of the fact that guys were just resting, you know, in the case of like, well, not like fully resting, but like, Randall, it seemed like probably under different circumstances, wouldn't have had to shut it down for the last like five games of the season. You know, if the Knicks actually had something to play for, um, you know, Derek Rose, you know, maybe they would have tried to bring him back by the end of the season had something been at stake. Kemba Walker obviously gets sent home. You know, all these various circumstances led to him playing these younger players finally. And then he plays them and then they win the games. And so then not only have you screwed the Knicks out of, development throughout the whole season but once he finally was forced to play the players that should have been playing the whole time and getting more minutes because they were impacting games like noticeably in their limited minutes that he was giving them earlier in the year then finally by the time you get those guys in the games they win a bunch of games to end the season and now not only do you not get a play-in spot or any sort of playoff hope at all now you get a really crappy lottery pick you know with like a minimal chance of moving up and so it's just in that regard, and I'm sure we'll talk about this many more times over the next coming weeks, but I think that's going to be like the lasting legacy of Tibbs on this season is that he was so stubborn that he not only robbed the Knicks of one opportunity, which was the playoffs, but also of another opportunity, which was youth development and and like learning about the younger players on this team, which Honestly, had he just played the younger players, he might have actually gotten both those things. He might have had to have his cake and eat it too. And so I, I think basically what's got to my initial thought going into this offseason on this eve of the, you know, the, the season finale is just like they need to pick a lane and stick with it next year. Like, are you gonna, you know, like empower Tibbs to the point where he's allowed to like sit good players because they're not old enough for him or whatever? Or are you going to, like, if you're Leon Rose, who went on today, went on MSG Network and had an interview with Mike Breen, said, like, you know, this season was disappointing, everything else, you know. So clearly, what else were you going to expect him to say? But 
you know, clearly we know that he feels that way. At least he didn't seem to be making tons of excuses. So are you as Leon Rose going to sit there and finally go to Tibbs? Like, look, man, you're, you're in hot water now. You know, I know you're my friend or whatever, but like, you know, you got to start playing the better players if they're younger, uh, you know, and stop sticking with these guys that, you know, we're clearly not winning us games last year. And, you know, we got to figure this out because this team clearly played a lot better when these younger players played. And we really have to see what we have in them before we have to figure out what we have to pay them. Because that's like a huge thing over these next couple of years is going to be deciding how much to pay this large stable of young players. So that's sort of like the lasting legacy of, of this season for me from Tibbs. And unfortunately, I think most of the legacy of the season sort of falls on him, uh, even with as much as Julius re- Julius's regression and and stuff affected the team. I think there were many opportunities for Tibbs to have remedied that situation by just sitting Julius and holding him accountable more often. And maybe that would have led to more wins for the Knicks. I don't know, but that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Sorry, Gavin. That was a long ass rant. I'll throw it back to you to get your response to that. No, I mean, it's sort of like a, like a, I mean, it's, it's a point that's been made before, but I've, I'll continue to say, I don't know for however long I talk about this. I was going to say 50 years. Hopefully I'm not thinking about this next season in 50 years, but um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll continue to think about the season that they, essentially had a different version of last year's team and maybe that they still wouldn't have had as much success. Like maybe they would have been an eight seed. Maybe they would have been a nine seed. Maybe they still would have been the 10 seed. Even if he played the young guys all year, just because the East got that much better this season. That being said, like that team was in there and it might've been Obi Toppin and Julius splitting time completely evenly and and playing in some lineups together. Um, It probably would have been RJ Barrett uh, being more empowered earlier in the season. It probably would have meant, Kemba Walker never getting signed. It probably wouldn't have been Emmanuel quickly. Um, and Obi, uh, well, I already mentioned Obi time. Emmanuel quickly uh, being your primary point guard for the vast majority of this year after Derrick Rose got hurt. And I, I think essentially what this was was like the Knicks team was a rock, and they needed the right sculptor to bring the best team out of them. And Tibbs made like some misshapen, broken thing out of it, and, and didn't even decide what piece of art he was making until it was too late to your point. Like he, he couldn't figure it out. He was constantly back and forth. Um, he wasn't even really that back and forth. He was making a bad piece of art. And then towards the end of the season, he was kind of forced to make a good one. And it was like, Oh yeah, this is pretty fun. This team looks pretty good. But I, I think, I think your point is spot on. Uh, it's pretty obvious to anyone watching um, this entire year that the Knicks were at their best uh, when Emmanuel quickly when Obi Toppin were playing a lot when the Knicks could benefit from the, the seeming telepathy between those two. Like, I, I don't know if they're, are, I mean, again, adjusting for talent level, like too many better connections in the NBA in terms of the two players being symbiotic and supporting each other. And that was that was magic in a bottle. And in, in a Knicks season that just wasn't that fun and didn't have a lot of magic, like that's I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Like aside from success and development, like like there was there was a fun team in here. There was an enjoyable team to watch every night. And I think where all the vitriol towards Tibbs came and like where like his defenders are like, why, why do you like hate the guy? He he got us to so much success a year ago. It's because they, he kept fans from enjoying something that could have been really great, um, at, at least to the fullest extent. And to your point next year, like there can't that can't be an option for him like that. And, and, and that's that sounds crazy that you'd have to trade away. Guys like Alec Burks and Evan Fournier, because I think one of my biggest takeaways from watching that Wizards game and again, crappy competition qualifier inserted Fournier and Burks fit in fantastically with the young dudes when they're not asked to do too much when Obi's taking the lead and IQ's taking the lead and Fournier even though he didn't have a good shooting night against the Raptors can just bomb threes and Burks can operate somewhere in between as like a secondary scorer and a secondary creator 
That's what those two guys have done their whole career, and they're really good at it. And they're both pretty unselfish players, so they fit in really well with how IQ, Obi, and Jericho, and, and, and Deuce, and Grimes, and, and Reddish, and RJ all like to play. Like, it's not that there's, I don't think there's a spot for Julius Randle on next year's team because he's, he's, seeming, he's seemingly unwilling to make that adjustment. I think there's very much a spot for Reddish and Fournier. Again, Tibbs just has to see the whole picture. And I, I just think it's abundantly clear because to his own point, what he emphasized in his postgame press conference is he said, hey, I might not always be right, but I know I'm working harder than anyone else. And I believe that without a doubt. But that's the biggest issue is like there's not there's not a greater effort level he can go to. It's just that he clearly cannot see this, even if he spends 16 hours a day watching film, which I believe in my heart of hearts that he really does do. And he cares so much, but he, he can't see this. And that's the issue. And maybe it's going to take the Knicks getting off to a similarly crappy start next season for that to change. Maybe it's going to take Leon Rose putting his foot down and saying, hey, like this is how you're running the team. I don't know. But that that's that's sort of my final takeaway is that like is like you can't teach an old dog new tricks and Tibbs isn't going to come up come away from this offseason having found God and, and saying that this works because we, we've seen this same show in every stop he's had in the NBA. And it's painful to say because I, I agree with Leon. Like when Leon Rose said he was one of the best coaches in the NBA, I didn't like shake my head and say, oh, no, that's ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous in the fact that you have to look at the whole picture. In terms of just his game planning, to some extent, like obviously the offense bogs down, it gets too ISO heavy. He does some stuff that's brilliant and he keeps the team competitive that at times shouldn't be competitive. But if you – you're compensating for playing the wrong guys all the time. That's not enough. So that's that's a confounding, winding rant uh, to match your uh, much more coherent rant, Alex. But uh, that's where I'm at at the end of the season. I thought it was a, it was a very good rant as well, Gavin. I Thank think you. we can okay. both give our give ourselves high marks on on the rants. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if uh, maybe Tibbs just needs to watch the games four times, and then maybe things will things will click for him eventually. I guess we'll see. I'm still never going to get over that shot. That was that was most unnecessary pot shot towards people that do stuff for basically no money online uh, versus him who gets paid millions of dollars to coach a basketball team but can't see. The two young players are very talented and deserve more playing time. But whatever, whatever. Uh, the time to be salty is upon us and will be upon us for the whole offseason because we have this whole time to stew and think about <laughs> this uh, this. Terrible season that ended on a kind of fun note. Um, Gavin, maybe we could end this with like, do you have like a single word that you could think of to describe this season before we obviously get into tons of more coverage, breaking down the season that was uh, in the month or so to come? Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had a Clyde word for it, but it just it's, it's frustrating. Frustrating story for me. Yeah, I think I'm just that like underwhelming. Maybe I don't know. Take your pick. There's a lot of synonyms you could pick, but I I think that's where I where I land at. You know, I just found that it, there was so much promise going into the season. The Knicks did add guys that seemed like they made a lot of sense, and you know, I didn't expect I expected some regression out Julius Randle, but never the the skills regression, but then also like the mentality regression that he that he suffered. You know, the I don't know. It was just, it was a bizarre season. I guess that's another word, bizarre. But anyway, uh, this has been Locked on Knicks. Uh, thank you guys all so much for listening with us this whole season. Uh, Gavin, I'll throw it to you if you want to do a little thank you in a sec too. But like, you know, it means a lot to us. You know, we honestly, a little inside baseball, we experienced a lot of growth this year, which is kind of crazy because like the Knicks were not good most of this year. And so the second that they started not being good, I started thinking like, oh, man, well, 
it was nice, you know, having, you know, getting more people that wanted to hear from us last year, but that's probably not going to happen this year. And yet then we ended up, you know, uh, consistently being blown away by the amount of people that were tuning in, whether it's here, whether it's the fact that like we launched the YouTube this season and have managed to sort of stake a claim for ourselves there amongst so many other talented people in both spaces, the, the podcasting and uh, YouTube space are just like overloaded with amazing people saying amazing things either on podcast or YouTube form. So at the end of the season, granted, this isn't like any sort of goodbye because you'll literally be hearing us from, from us tomorrow and then five days a week for like maybe till like the end of the summer when maybe we'll give ourselves a slight break and do like three days a week for like a month or something. But, you know, just thank you guys all for, for listening with us this summer or this season and we'll be with you all this summer. Uh, but Gavin, do you want to say any party words for the season as well? No, I think, I think you nailed it. Um, I mean, yeah, you guys, you guys have a lot of options for good Knicks content out there. So we, we appreciate any time you spend with us and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we hope you'll stick with us throughout the off season. We're going to have a lot of really fantastic guests on. We're going to explore just about every angle of how the Knicks can improve this team. And I, I think, I think I'll say like, despite all the crap this season, all the frustration, all the, all the dissolution, all the confusion, like I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the next future. And I think, I mean, these last few games gave us great reason for that. But, but even when we saw it before that, like Quentin Grimes, like it's easy to forget because the guy just didn't get to play a whole lot this year. That was like, it's going to go down. I think is one of the better 25th picks in, in recent NBA history, maybe in like long-term NBA history, if he hits the highs that he could hit. I don't mind the Cam Reddish trade. I think he was showing real flashes by the end of the year. RJ Barrett, um, we can talk about the efficiency all we want. The dude averaged 24 points per game post All-Star break. Like there's there's just a lot of reason for hope. This team is still looking for their centerpiece, and I think that's where people are are very frustrated because outside of um, the Carmelo run they've, and, and the one year of Julius, um, they've been on and off looking for their centerpiece for two decades. But maybe it's one of these guys. Maybe it's someone they're going to trade for. Maybe it's whoever they'll get in this draft, and that's kind of what we're going to spend this offseason exploring. But um, even if it wasn't – it wasn't always found by Tibbs. The core is very good and it's in place. And that's, that's exciting. And, and the Knicks um, to Leon Rose's credit is as much as we can rip him for certain things, like they're building in a more sustainable way than they have in a long time. So I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm optimistic despite it all going into this offseason. Same. I'm very excited to see what, what comes and, and happy to see uh, happy to have this, this big stable of young players, which Leon Rose made sure to point out as well, that they had like nine players on the roster that were under the age of 24. He might have been counting one or two of the guys that are uh, not going to be around for the long term. But if nothing else, they've got at least like if they want to a whole starting lineup of players 24 and younger that could probably make some pretty good noise together uh, in the NBA. So lots of exciting things to come. Thanks again, you guys, for for sticking with us and, and you know, always coming by and, and, you know, appreciating what we have to say. We certainly appreciate you guys listening and and lending us your ears and your eyes and everything else. Uh, But we'll be back with more episodes this week and more episodes all off season. Thank you for listening to Locked on Knicks. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.